Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Kristen Bry of Asgos, Wisconsin is along Lake Michigan. And up on Lake Minocqua is Kirk Bankstead of the Minocqua Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome, because you're up north. Welcome to the cabin. You've made it up north. Nice to have you here. I'm Pat Kreitlow, managing editor of upnorthnewswi.com. And I'm Kristen Bry. You can find my short political comedy videos at As Goes Wisconsin. And I'm Kirk Bankstead at the Monaco Brewing Company. <laughs> we're going to talk about Kirk's lack of volume control in just a few seconds here. But first, a reminder that we do join you live every Wednesday evening at 7 on Devil Radio News Talk 92.7 and play it back over the weekend. We post it at upnorthpodcast.com. Our email address is info at upnorthpodcast.com. Our guests are State Senator Jeff Smith in a few minutes, talking about a new proposal to take redistricting out of the hands of gerrymandering politicians. And in our second half hour, we talked to Kyle Lowe, a member of the Marathon County Board, which was featured in the New York Times this week for still, after a year of division, being unable to pass a resolution declaring themselves a welcoming community for people from all walks of life. Dear fellow white people, grow the hell up. That's what we'll talk about in the, in the second half hour. Uh, and later, cheeseheads, chuckleheads, or both. Uh, but first, we have to start with an explanation of uh, what exactly happened when all hell broke loose at the end of last week's show. Um, Kirk and I sometimes are on Lake Minocqua and, and uh, Lake Wissota, respectively. Uh, and sometimes we're, we're in Madison at our radio home. And for the first time, both of us were in the radio station. Uh, Kristen was in a, in a secure, lo undisclosed location somewhere along Lake Michigan. And uh, you may know that it, you know, we all take turns introducing the show. And, and, and Kirk sometimes is rather energetic in the way that he says, welcome back to the show. Um, I learned that at our particular radio home, there's a computer that sits right underneath the desk where Kirk was sitting. And as he kicked his feet out in a moment of joy, he managed to kick the power <laughs> button on the computer. I mean, this is th this is somebody, you know, like, you know, on the space shuttle going, what does this button do, you know, or something like that. It, it was it was really something I got to say. And and. Our producer, Evan, God bless him, knew that he had to hit a button too, the dump button, because Kirk forgot that he was at a, a, a government licensed radio station where there are seven words you cannot say. Uh, he only said one of the words, but he said it about seven times. Um, Kirk, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you lived to tell, man. So, yeah, I mean, I mean. I haven't done live radio like ever. This is like the eighth or ninth, no, the 10th show I think we've done. So every time I do this every week, I get all jazzed up. So you can't, don't, you know, don't hate me because I'm excited. I, I didn't, no, I would blame Crute for like putting the damn or the darn uh, <laughs> Here we go. radio uh, uh, computer right, uh, right by my feet. I mean, who doesn't want to swing their legs when they're, when they're feeling joyous? Let's find out. Kristen, we're taking well, a Well, I would say this is the thing. I feel like in, in most elements of my life, like most people, when they know me, it's like, I'm loud. I am, can be klutzy, but I feel like I get around Kirk and I feel like a ballerina. Like, I just like, he's just like, he's ashamed as far as like the, like just like a moderate, like mild mannered uh, lady versus Kirk, who's just 
He does. You never know he, what you're going to get. He makes me feel like a mild-mannered lady by comparison as well. And we, we, we do appreciate hey. the, the energy. Um, so thanks for keeping us there. And you, you notice we're, we're all back in our home locations now. And we haven't been banned from the station, but we may not be there for a bit. We're actually taking next week off. Uh, on our Wednesday night show because Kirk is going to have a special live edition of the Up North podcast uh, from his, what did what did we call this? The Inoculation Emancipation Party? You want yeah. to tell us what you're up to? Yeah, so next week, uh, you guys, uh, you guys need, I mean, I mean, I'd love to have you there, but you guys have Memorial Day weekend planned. So Crute's uh, going to come up to uh, Stevens Point with me or Custer uh, <laughs> Minocqua didn't let me have the party, even though my Minocqua was in my that's name. That's a whole story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we had we're doing this inoculation emancipation party. We're going to broadcast live from there, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, you know, getting vaccinated. We're going to have people live vaccinations happening to people who want to get them, and we're going to give them free beer if they get vaccinated. And I got a lineup of four awesome bands that are playing, so it's going to be a good good party. Uh, celebrating safety, I say celebrating the freedom that we all get once we get vaccinated, the inoculation emancipation party. I like it. And, and we're up to somewhere between 40 and 42% of the entire Wisconsin population is fully vaccinated. Uh, again, it's not what they say we need for herd immunity, but that is a ton of you out there who uh, have been doing the right thing and, and hopefully can now go about having some uh, Memorial Day plans that are a lot different than they were last year. Um, Kristen, yours, I don't think yours is Memorial Day weekend, but you, 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 you're already planning road trips of your own for the summer. Yeah, well, I would say that was, I had a realization, like, so I had a pretty busy weekend. So I was in Madison on Friday, had a, was, was with a bunch of different friends Friday night who were all vaccinated. Saturday, I got to meet one of my oldest friends, babies, who was only eight weeks. Sunday went to a Brewers game. Monday was back in Madison. And it was just like, taking a moment to realize how great it was to do yeah. all these things with mm -hmm. me being vaccinated and everyone I was going to be with was vaccinated. And so that was like taking a step back and, and realizing how excited I am for some normalcy. And cause I am an extrovert. So being with people is mm -hmm. definitely uh, important to me, but yeah. So then this summer, uh, last two weeks of July, I, so a lot of, since I came back last year, there's, a lot of things I'm experiencing for the first time as an adult in Wisconsin and far, far up North expert level, Wisconsin is one of them. And so uh, my side of the family, my dad's side of the family has, has a, his, my aunt and uncle have a, a cabin in da uh, Danbury. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to start the, the trip. And then my boyfriend and I are going to do just a road trip for a week and just stop at as many places as we can make a bunch of videos, uh, meet a bunch of people and we're actually ending in Minocqua. So hopefully you'll be there that uh, then Kirk and we can come say hi. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I had posted that and I have over 400 emails and comments and things oh. to go through to start making uh, my list. But I think what I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, going to do is once I actually have the list, I'm going to post it and so it can be public. I see that you see there's like 400 in there. But remember, we're coming off a year of quarantine 275 of those are marriage proposals without any doubt, you know, just because people are, <laughs> people have not been out and, you know, they, they want to meet. No, I hope you get great ideas. And I, I did, I, I, I couldn't help but note, you talked about this is expert level up North and it gets us to that point of what constitutes expert level up North, what, you know, what constitutes up North 
And again, it's the old debate. Is it 10? Is it 29? Is it eight? And of course, the, the hardcore, you know, it's it's two or nothing, which basically no means way. You, you can you can <laughs> you can spit into Lake Superior. Superior. Yeah. Um, two or no, who says two or nothing? Come uh, on. Lo- a lot of fine, fine people in the Ashland Bayfield metropolitan oh area. That's who. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. That, that's just so, not allowed. So, yeah, I, I, I hope the... Uh, that they, the ideas continue to come in because uh, again, this you're now in this position of, uh, of making these videos that, you know, thanks to the marvels of modern technology or can, can be done with a, a phone in your hand from any place on God's green earth. So, I mean, the, the, the material has got to feel like it's almost limitless. That's what I, I mean, I'm, I, cause I also feel like I'm going to meet some characters, right. And uh, I'm excited to, to have, a lot of different conversations and it's also just so beautiful that that time of year although i, I feel like i have to invest in lightweight long sleeve everything so i yes. don't eat no i lot. got i got one character you gotta when you go to Monaco, there's a guy named marvin that plays the guitar out in front of the yacht club and he is a character just right, right. that that's my one my one wreck for you that, right. that'll work yeah that that'll work definitely. marvin and it's not really a yacht club, let me tell you, but it's called the yacht club. Come on, it's I mean we we've got <laughs> boat club here here on here on Lake Wasoda, there there is something called the red neck N-E-K yacht Y-O-T club with a K spray painted on the side of a pontoon that that cruises Lake Wasoda. So yeah, we understand the the, the whole yacht club mentality up north. Hey, still to come, Kahlo takes us through the debate over inclusiveness on the Marathon County Board. But first, State Senator Jeff Smith on the fight to finally get fair maps back in Wisconsin. You are up north. Won't you let me die? I'm Kristen Bry, along with Kirk Bankstead and Pat Craylo. Uh, in this segment tonight, we're going to interview, we have an interview with State Senator Jeff Smith of Eau Claire about a subject near and dear to Kirk's heart, the fight against gerrymandering. Yes, you got it, Kristen. There's, as probably many of you know, there's two things I love in life. And one is obviously brewing beer and the other is preaching about gerrymandering. It's like I wake up every morning and I'm like mad about gerrymandering and I go to bed and I'm, I'm happy that at least I've talked about it. So I'm not mad all day. So gerrymandering is a direct threat to our democracy. The only way to fight it is to take the power away from politicians to draw their own maps. While the Republican majority legislature is unlikely to draw the maps fairly this year, it doesn't mean that we don't have to put up a fight and make this issue visible to the public. So that's why a group of legislators this week introduced a bill mandating fair maps. And earlier today, Kristen and Pat spoke with Senator Smith, one of the sponsors of the bill, which was celebrated by a big crowd that gathered on the steps of the state capitol. So we're going to listen to this tape right now. Senator Jeff Smith joins us. Senator, how are you? I'm doing just fine today. How well, are you? You should be. Well, we're great, thanks. You know, it's it's not every week that when somebody introduces a bill, there's like a, a small marching band, a crowd on the Capitol steps and a rally. So, I mean, clearly you think that this bill about fair maps uh, is going to mean a big, it's going to mean a great deal to a lot of folks. Why Why do you think that is? Well, it is. And, and you're right. Two to 300 people showed up on the steps of the Capitol. Uh, marching band forward Wisconsin. It was it was exciting. It was a great day. Weather was perfect. It was meant to be. And why is this a big deal? Is because the state of Wisconsin and, and uh, constituency in the state of Wisconsin have been 
waiting for this to happen for at least 10 years. They finally understand how dramatic gerrymandering can affect their state and things that they really care about don't happen. And our, and our uh, legislators are frozen in place because they don't do uh, the, people's, the people's will. So it's, they, they understand it now. And, and, it's, and it is the people's will that we, that we uh, have non, nonpartisan redistricting. That's what I find so interesting. So I was gone from 2003 to 2020. I'm raised in Madison, but was gone for uh, the first go around of when all of this changed uh, in 2010, 2011. And I think obviously I, it seems I was there on Monday and obviously what it felt like is how many people are excited and riled up about this now. But for both Pat and Jeff, as far as did just no one pay attention that closely 10 years ago? And it just was on no one's radar. And that's kind of how they, for lack of a better term, like got away with it. And do you think because so many more people are aware now that like they won't? You are talking to the right two people about <laughs> 10 years ago. I feel like we're, we're the poster childs of, of, of this situation. You know, we, oh, we lost, no we doubt lost about fair that. elections in 2010. We both yep. did. We'll admit that. But then the maps were totally redrawn. There's no way in 2012 or 2014 they would have hung on to those seats if they had not uh, gerrymandered this state after the things that they did to this state. So, yeah, it, it's it's um, it was not on people's radar. If I would have, and I did, I, I was number two on the bill in 2010 um, that we tried to pass the same bill back then. I was the chair of the committee. I had a hearing. I'm the only, as you heard, I'm the only legislator to ever actually have a hearing on this bill because power does go to people's heads and they think, oh, no, I'm going to draw the maps, you know. Well, you couldn't get people to understand it. it would, you know, go right over their heads, their eyes would roll back and they, yeah, I don't want to hear about this. This is too complicated. Well, now people know. So it's, well, it's just, it is a huge difference. Now, it is a big difference because at the time when we first saw the maps, um, and when we first learned what the process was like, that the Republican legislators were made to sign secrecy oaths, that these maps were drawn in private attorney's offices rather than with any kind of, of public input, we did try to let people know. We, we tried to let people uh, you know, in media and in other circles know. And it was chalked up to, oh, I'm sure both sides do it that way. You fast forward a few years, couple of election cycles when it's clear that Democrats statewide actually got more votes, but significantly fewer seats. Now it is widely accepted by Wisconsin news media and others that this was a gerrymander. They use gerrymandering in the term. They use the term in their articles now. We couldn't get them to say it mm. back then because they didn't recognize exactly what it was until you know long after the crime had been complete. Yeah, I and mean, that's what I always come back to. And I think that resonates with people too, is under, because I, I think anyone who's above millennial and older understands what technology was in the 90s and early mm. aughts and understands what it was in the early 2010s. And like in a span of 10 years, how much changed and how much more precise, like, yes, every side always had done it in the past, but with that time, that in that, then 10 years ago, just with the, precision, like a, a neurosurgeon precision of what they were able to do and the data they were able to use to 
have it be worse than it had ever been or more egregious than it had ever been. And, and just remember in 2011, that was the first time of redistricting in recent history, and I mean recent being the last 50 years, that we did not have a split government, that we did not have a Republican um, legislature and a Democratic governor or vice versa. So they had a clear sailing and that's the first time we've had that experience. At the which same which time is why they, which it. is why the line both sides do it, you know, what was wrong then and continued yeah. to be wrong because yeah. it had never been done like this with that level of precision. But uh, again, it went through the, the, the courts process and the U.S. Supreme Court and Justice Kennedy uh, ultimately punted on the question and then uh, retired shortly thereafter. So the lines stand where they are after a, a full decade of uh, doing what they did. And now the, the lines are gonna be coming up again. Now, Jeff, as Kristen mentioned in, in her report, you know, the, the people who actually drew these lines are not likely to wanna to change the, to give up the power to change these lines, but they could look out the windows of their Capitol offices and see you and all the others that do support this. If the bill doesn't pass, again, we don't think that it will, but what, what do you think the next steps are both in this session and then you know beyond into the, the 2022 election cycle? We totally understand that this bill is not going to affect this redistricting. It's, we're, you know, th this is already a process that's, that's on people's minds and, and being planned. And I'm sure even they have maps in their, uh, in their computers ready to go, right? And by the way, legislators never draw the maps. Let's make sure that clear. Whenever they say, well, the constitution says that we draw the maps, but no, they sign secret seals to lawyers who draw the maps, right? So just to make that very clear. So what's going to happen is we're, we're gonna be in the courts and the courts are going to decide which maps should be approved and sent back to the legislature. And we're hoping that the People's Maps Commission, I personally am, which the governor has already organized and had hearings, they've had hearings around the state, um, will come up with a, with a fair uh, map that, that, the, that the courts will really take a uh, strong and close look at. And I also think we should have maps on either side. Say, this is, this is your choices. Either you have gerrymandered one way or gerrymandered the other way, or you have this one map that actually um, gives everybody a fair chance. That was actually going to be my, my next question was um, the process of Democrats drawing maps, because I think right now, because the People's Maps Commission is a Governor Evers project, it's it's easy if it's if, if, if there's only two options, the People's Maps and what the current legislature comes up with, then it's like, well, that's the Democrat map and it's not right. And so having the three options of the one way, the other way and what is actually fair I, I would hope is the, the strategy. <laughs> well, it, it logically should be, right? It <laughs> logically should be. So let's hope we do have some common sense this time around. It is so important though. And I know you, I know you guys understand that. And Pat, I know specifically you and I understand this very clear that we can't, we are frozen. We can't get anything done because we have um, a so, uh, so, uh, so heavily uh, cited one one uh, one piece of le one legislature, and it gets at the uh, a legislature that can do you know what it wants, even on issues where seventy percent of the public feels a certain way on certain issues, whether it's 
fair maps, whether it's gun safety, whether it's Medicaid expansion, uh, but you don't have to do the will of the majority if you've locked in essentially minority rule. Senator Jeff Smith, we really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for bringing the bill to everybody's attention and we'll look forward to visiting again soon. Thanks, Pat. I hope to uh, get this passed and we can serve as public servants again instead of serving <laughs> slaves to our party. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jeff. See ya. And there you go. That was our interview earlier with uh, Senator Jeff Smith. So Kirk, as, as the uh, Up North Podcast patron saint of uh, redistricting, what'd you think? I, th I thought it was great because I love to hear that history uh, from 10 years ago because I was uh, in New York 10 years ago. And so uh, I, I didn't I mean, I heard about this on the news nationally, but I didn't really hear about the actual, you know, when the rubber hit the road. And and I just wanted to follow up. I mean, it was a great interview. But, um, you know, even though the Republican majority legislature, you know, ha you know, has the majority. And so they're probably not going to vote for what we think are fair maps. Um, I'm not letting that stop me at the Monaco Brewing Company Super PAC. We've spent $30,000 on making phone calls to uh, up north cities to educate people about gerrymandering and about fair maps and to call the Republican legislators to tell them that they demand fair maps. And I, we want them to remember if the fair maps aren't drawn mm -hmm. to uh, on the 2022 elections that these guys voted to cheat. There and so that's, we believe that that we, still is a reason to fight for this. We will have more after the break. You're up north. Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead, along with Kristen Bry and Pat Kreitlow. And joining us here in the cabin is Kyle Lowe, a member of the Marathon County Board. The group featured in a New York Times article about the divisiveness of seeking inclusivity. Supervisor Lowe, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank um, you for inviting me. Well, you know, to, to have national attention for community division, uh, isn't normally the kind of thing sought by anyone who wants their hometown cast in the best possible light, but sometimes it takes a little extra attention from, you know, beyond your boundaries to, you know, break up what I can only imagine felt like a, a feedback loop of the same points over and over again, back and forth for a year about either the need to embrace racial tolerance and celebrate diversity, or that somehow that is a, a bad thing. So I want to start first with whether you think the coverage this week, once things settle down, will lead to more productive discussions. Oh, I definitely think so. It will lead to more productive discussions because now we were thrown out into the national spotlight. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are saying, hey, I used to live here and I moved away and I will never come back, you know? And then, um, and then there are people who are like, oh, you know, that is one city, one place where now I'm gonna put on that list where I'm never gonna go. And we depend on people coming here because our population is aging out. That is a conversation that we're having in, in, Mar in Marathon County that we want young people to stay here, to come here because our population is aging out and we're not gonna have that workforce. Yeah, that's that's a topic that I, I think about a lot, but even let's just to take it back from the very beginning. So what prompted the original resolution. So what did it originally say? I know it kind of went through different iterations and what was the, the early debates like? Yeah, so um, when it first was written, it was originally called No Place for Hate. 
and it was written right after George Floyd was murdered. Um, and so in the resolution, there was a lot of talk about social justice, um, you know, just um, social equity, you know, for people, um, inclusion, diversity. Um, and then like the conversation first started um, very normal. I went through the normal processes and then um, people started getting wind of it. Um, and, and then next thing you know, there were a lot of people who were coming to the meetings. Um, they had issues with the word equity. We started getting a lot of emails about the word equality versus equity. They didn't want equity. They wanted equality, you know, which was so weird to me because I'm thinking, don't you want to help your fellow man? You know, if he's not doing good and you're doing better, wouldn't you want him to do as good as you? But that's where the the um, the conversation divulged into, and then it divulged into this whole critical race theory. Like I don't even know what critical race theory no, is. Nobody does. Trust me. Nobody yeah. who's nobody who's bringing yeah. it up. It's it's a it's a it's a buzzword that you know we don't even have to go into, but they aren't using it properly. Yeah, so bizarre. Yeah. So bizarre. Kirk. So 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 Kai, um, you know I want to go back to uh, in terms of equity. First of all. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a Christian guy. And when I think about, you know, when I went to Sunday school, uh, like, like my Christianity is all about lifting up those that are, that are, you know, struggling, you know, that's what, that's what seemingly, you know, and I, I don't want to get too religious, obviously, but that's what Jesus did to lots of people. And so, so equity to me and you can believe in any religion you want to, but I think there's probably pieces of that in every single, uh, faith. And what, what I don't understand is, um, you know, what right-wing conservatives have done is weaponize the word to mean something that it is not. Equity and justice and respect and opportunity and rights is not a zero-sum gain. There's this meme that talks about if, if, if I give something to people of color, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not taking it away from white people. This is not pie. You know, that's like this, you know, like it's not like, you know, it's not like this, you know, it's not like this, uh, this piece of dessert that just goes away. You know, it's just a thought. So talk a little bit more about about that for me, would you? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. You know, um, I mean, there was there was a, one, one county board supervisor said that he was a Christian. He was a Christian man. And then he quoted Rush Limbaugh. Like, you know, yeah. it was crazy to me. You know, um, a lot of there were there was like one or two emails where I received where you know they talked about um, you know, God is the you know person who you know gives the ultimate justice, you know. And I was like, Yeah, and I was like, but there was Jesus, you know. So I had to say to her, you know, think about I would encourage you to think about the teachings of Jesus. You know, and and so, so like, yeah, they they've twisted this all around into something that works for them, like works for them in and what I what I was thinking today is it works for them in you know the depths of Jim Crow, you know, mm -hmm. and it really doesn't work when you're thinking about true Christianity, true love, true caring. It doesn't make sense when you're thinking about your neighbor in the sense of, 
you know, this is what Jesus taught, you know, in the Bible, you know, whoever is a Christian, you mm-hmm. know, they, they usually forget about Jesus and which is to me, it doesn't make sense. You know, Jesus is central to Christianity. Right. And that's where we get that, that whole notion of, of, of equity. Now there's another word that seems to have been twisted all out of place. Uh, but, but to get to it, I've got to share um, with what I think without a doubt is the ugliest part of the New York times article. And it was about one of your elderly board members who said, and I want to make this clear, I'm reading this quote verbatim because it's going to offend some people. He said, let me uh, get ready for this here. They're creating strife between people, labeling us as racist and privileged because we're right, white. You can't come around and tell people that work their tails off from daylight to dark and tell them that they got white privilege and they're racist and they got to treat the mungs and the coloreds and the gays better because they're racist. People are sick of it. End of quote. So Ka, I don't know whether to ask if old white guys think they're the only ones who work their tails off. Or if this is instead an opportunity to finally clear the air on privilege, that acknowledging privilege isn't a weakness. It's not an indictment. Privilege is just a modern way of expressing an old saying, understand what you have, because a lot of folks don't have it as good as you through no fault of their own. So how do you explain the concept of of privilege? I was going to say as as a doorway to understanding, but maybe a a conversation about privilege as the start of building a bridge. Yeah, you know, privilege, you know, it's something that people are born with, you know, the color of your skin, the, um, the, you know, what your family makes, you know, for money. What you endure. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and so if you're born with more than other people, you know, you you have privilege. If if you're born with lighter skin, you know, we live in this system where persons with lighter skin, you know, they get a lot more um advantages, you know, and like that is not something that's new. That is something that is that has been a part of American history for a very, very, very long time since the beginning, you know? And so it's not anything that's new. And so, so that's how I like to explain privilege. It's, hey, you were born with more, whether that's your, the skin, you know, the color of your skin, you know, your socioeconomics, you know, whether it's, it's all physical, really, you know, it's physical and it's things that they don't, you can't know what you don't live unless you've seen, you know, more of the world. And uh, Kirk, you were mentioning this earlier, people that, that bring up the concept of, you know, there's no racism here. That's not it. It's that there's no experience with what racism has been because not only have they not lived it, they don't know anybody who's lived through it. And so to them, it's invisible. But, you know, again, because it's invisible to you, Kirk doesn't mean it's not up there. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I grew up in Stevens Point, a half hour south of Wausau. Uh, you know, there might have been one black, you know, black kid in my high school you know, at the time. Like it took me I had to go, it took me until I went to college 
to actually understand that there were people of color and Jews and Asians and black folks, you know, that went to my college. It took me till that. So I understand the lack of understanding about this. You know, if, if you work on a farm and you don't see people of color, you're not really going to think about uh, diversity a whole lot. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't think about it or, or deal with it and understand it because Wausau has become more diverse over the last 20 years. Uh, and, and, and so uh, I think it's important that a place that's got 97% white people in it still pass resolutions when bad things happen to people of color, like the George Floyd uh, murder, that they talk about that. So thank you, Ka, for, you know, for being on the right side of history on this and for pushing to pass bills that have no financial implications on the budget of Marathon County, by the way. This was just a puff bill to just acknowledge that bad things happen to George Floyd and to people of color. And somehow or another, it became a big brouhaha. And I just still can't understand why. It, what I think is interesting as far as you, none of us, the three of the hosts do not live in Marathon County. And I always think it's interesting as far as what, who makes the most noise versus what actual representation of attitudes are in the area. And so as far as, over the last year and uh, of trying to get this passed and who came out of the woodwork and who spoke up and who didn't like, what do you feel like the people who really created a lot of obstacles from, as Kirk just said, something that was not, it's not like you were reallocating budget, like, like municipal budgets. It's not like there was any actual stake in the ground uh, proclamations besides just saying like, Hey, we don't no place for hate. Like who's, who's for hate, right? And so do you feel like there's, the sentiment is more of the general Marathon County citizen is more on inclusivity and there's just a couple, there's a, a smaller minority that was just really loud or do you think there is a lot of work to do? Um, it's a smaller minority that's very loud. Got it. Um, I was born and raised here. Um, I know the people here, they're not like that at all. And so it was a very small, very loud minority group. I was just going to follow up on that. So if you had to take it somewhere else, go uh, ahead. I, no, I just wanted to, to see where we, where we take that from here. Now we know that Wausau Mayor Katie Rosenberg issued a proclamation about Wausau being a community for all, but the Marathon County Board almost certainly has to take this up again, Ka. So to, to wrap things up in our final minute, what do you, what do you think happens next? And what can people both inside and outside of Marathon County do to be helpful to this process? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a rule um, in, the, in our county board rules that um, two supervisors can bring a resolution up to the full board. So um, I know that there are two supervisors that are talking about that. So this is not the last that we've heard of it. And then because of Mayor Katie Rosenberg's proclamation yesterday, there's a lot of people that are excited now. And so now she's hearing a lot of things from people. They want um, t-shirts, they want yard signs, they want a community for all March and other things. And so um, I think people are excited. People are ready to say, hey, we are a community for all. What was said in the, in the New York Times is not us. And they're ready to show Marathon County that what the executive committee did was wrong. Kyle, we really appreciate your time coming on here. 
And I, I'm only sorry that we didn't have enough time to get into the other hat you wear, which is a member of the Wausau School Board, which uh, went through a, white, uh, a right-wing takeover in April. And what that has uh, done in terms of community division, uh, not that we want to dwell on these things because it's a beautiful place to be, but we may have to visit with you again. And, and uh, so we just wish you the best on, on both of those boards you serve on. And, and thank you again for taking some time with us up here. Thanks. All right. Uh, we'll take a break now when we come back. Uh, Cheeseheads, chuckleheads, or both. You're up north. The Up North Podcast is a production of the three people you're hearing right now. No one else. No corporate cash. No donor dollars. Nothing but the three of us yodeling about Wisconsin because A, we love it here. B, we're kind of news junkies and see if we didn't do our yapping here, we'd have to yap at all of our friends who are already hearing enough of us as it is. So now you get to hear from us. Lucky you. However, we also have day jobs and we always like to take a moment to brag about them. Kristen. All right. So I produce a daily series of social media videos that combines all things Wisconsin, whether it's history, sports or politics. Uh, I break it down with a comedic twist in videos that are 60 seconds or less. So whether you find yourself on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok the most, you can find them at As Goes Wisconsin. All right, Kirk, what's new? All right, so we have diverted our attention away from our fight against gerrymandering, calling out Tom Tiffany and Ron Johnson on lying to us and being traitors to our state to focus on vaccination. So uh, as I said earlier in the show, we're, we're, gonna, we're calling this thing the Inoculation Emancipation Tour. It's a full day of awesome live music and beer to celebrate the freedom that comes with communities getting vaccinated, meaning that people have to show their, they've been fully vaccinated to attend the party. More importantly, we are teaming up with county health departments and private healthcare providers to offer a tent where people can get a shot and a vaccine and free beer all day, a shot and a beer. The first event will be at Clancy's Stone Line in Custer, Wisconsin in the Stevens Point area on Saturday, May 29th at 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. And the second event will be at Funk's Pub in Fitchburg, Wisconsin on Saturday, June 12th from, 7, uh, from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. So for more information, we've created some events on our Facebook page. Please check it out. And that uh, Facebook page, uh, search for Monaco Brewing. You got it. All Thanks, right. Man. And I'm Pat Kreitler here to remind you the Up North podcast is an independent endeavor, not part of my paid employment over at Up North News, a place you can find at upnorthnewswi.com or search Up North News WI. Don't forget the WI on social media. You can sign up for the daily newsletter I assemble every weekday morning by visiting our website and clicking newsletter up in the top banner. We give you about four to five of the most important stories to know if you want to follow the issues that matter to families in Wisconsin and the decision makers who do or don't do the right things to keep our state a great place to live. Again, that's upnorthnewswi.com. Kristen, this is the part where you thank Devil Radio. Oh, Devil Radio. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Change it up on me. I told you. He we did. Were. He gave me through her for a, a so curveball. Forget to you want me to do it, Kristen? No, you want I'll me do to do it? it? We want to thank Devil Radio News Talk at 92.7, where we air live on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. till 8 p.m. Uh, be sure to download the Devil's Radio app and so you can listen to the station live on the go and get shows on demand and more. And remember, you can email the show at info at 
up north podcast podcast oh shucks <laughs> info at upnorthpodcast.com so by the way this block of shameless self-promotion is what will be filled with us shamelessly lauding over an advertiser if anyone offers us more than a buck 25 for what is clearly a valuable block of radio spectrum space. So uh, put your message here. As you can tell, we'll take real good care of it. Now, normally this is the part of the show where Kirk does the welcome back, but as mentioned already, his boisterous welcome back last week knocked the damn show off the air. Uh, so even though Kristen said we're normally on from seven till eight, that's not guaranteed, uh, but hopefully we can get through the next uh, three and a half minutes. Kirk, you ready? Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead. This is Chris and Brian. Following up with Chuckleheads and Cheeseheads is Pat Kreitlow. All right, we're going to start with State Assemblyman Mark Bourne. He's the co-chair of the Legislature's Joint Finance Committee, which makes him one of the top five most powerful Republicans in the state. Not exactly born yesterday. You'd think a typical white guy from West Bend would know better than to pop off the way he did during a meeting last week. He took issue with criticism from Milwaukee Democratic State Senator Latanya Johnson, upset that among the Republicans, nearly 400 cuts to Governor Tony Evers' budget proposal was extra funding for the state's Black History Museum. Bourne could have let the moment pass, but then he wouldn't be a typical white male Republican from West Bend anymore, now would he? So Bourne condescendingly told the senator it was enough that the state capitol had a Black History display on the third floor a small and temporary display. Stay classy, grand old party. Our next bit of recognition goes to Congressman Tom Tiffany, who is recognized this week for the votes he's taken and the votes he has missed. As tabulated by Quorum and reported by Axios, Tiffany has missed the third most votes of all freshman lawmakers, about eight and a half percent of the votes. Now, granted, that's only half as many as the recently retired Jim Sensenbrenner, who missed 17 percent of votes, but he was retiring, whereas Tiffany going AWOL is a matter of disrespect more than anything else. Uh, surprisingly, there was one vote this week Tiffany could have skipped, but he chose not to. On Tuesday, by an overwhelming lopsided bipartisan vote, the House gave final approval to legislation to tackle a striking rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. The bill will expedite the review of hate crimes and make grants available to local law enforcement to improve investigations. This bill passed 364 to 62. Every Democrat voted for the bill to fight hate crimes. Every Republican from Wisconsin voted for the bill to fight hate crimes, except Tom Tiffany, who voted no. And our final bit of recognition this week goes to a Pat, true can, just, can we just, can we just, this is terrible. Okay, keep on going, but gosh, I hate this man. Okay, sorry. Keep on <laughs> our going. final bit of recognition this week in our last minute here goes to a true cheesehead who's changing jobs and covering your elected officials at the state capitol once more. It is, of course, Kristen's close personal friend, Jesse O'Poyan, who, after years on the capitol beat, made a lot of us happy moving to the editorial page of the Cap Times so that her wicked fast takes on Twitter could evolve into full-fledged opinion pieces. Now she's moving back to cover the Capitol, where she feels her true calling as a reporter. So she's a cheesehead, not a chucklehead, and don't you dare call her a cream puff, because Jesse O'Point is among the few willing to admit to not being a fan of the Wisconsin State Fair cream puffs. Um, Kristen, you got to take a stand. Cream puff or no? Oh, come on, it's radio. You got, you got to fill it here. Know, like sure I'm, i would say i'm more as jesse as far as desserts go there is there's other things i would rather have 
Kirk, cream puffs, mini donuts, something else. Oh, I like the chocolate hostess like mini donuts. I'll I'll eat those in a, a whole package of seven. That's not a fair food. All right. I don't, right I don't care. Info at upnorthpodcast.com. We are off next week. We will see you in two weeks for Kristen Brian Kirk Bangstead. I'm Pat Crightwell. See you next time up north. Let me die.